Welcome to the Nomadic Mindset Season 1. My name is Kevin Cottom, a global nomad and the author of the leadership book, The Nomadic Mindset Never Settle for Too Long. Over the season, we will go on a journey to discover what is the nomadic mindset and how you can tap into that. For this, I will be interviewing a diverse group of cross-cultural thought leaders from all walks of life. So let's get on with it. Let's go nomading together. Welcome everyone to The Nomadic Mindset. And if you were tuning in for the first time today, thanks for taking the time to come and explore ideas and thoughts. In this hot episode, The Nomadic Mindset meets the future of work. Or as our guest says, this is now a myth. A myth, he says. Our guest is an award-winning business leader, futurist, leadership specialist, global change influencer, author, and conference speaker. He is the founder and CEO of Performance Works International, which is a new era learning services company specialized in helping organizations, leaders, and managers to be fit and ready for the future. Now. I love the word fit. I often wonder if companies ever do a full body health check. I know from all the work he has done in multinational organizations, Jeremy Blaine, our guest, just might push you to see and think nomadically. I start my conversation with Jeremy by getting to the key question. What is that true meaning of the buzz phrase, the future of work? As I know, many of you have your own opinions. Let's hear it from Jeremy. The future of work. Well, it's an interesting one that you're, that you're asking me that first, because right now I think that is a myth. We were talking about the future of work in 2015-16. We are absolutely in it right now, Kevin. Back then we were talking about AI, we're talking about digital, about a different workplace and workspaces, more remote working, globalization, mobilization. We're in it. The future of work is now. So the problem I'm finding is that many organizations who are using that terminology are already behind the curve and need to catch up quick. And what do they need to catch up to? Is there a new term? Uh, not, not in that particularly, because we're immersed in it right now. But we are in this era called the Great Acceleration. It's coined by a guy called Robert Colville in the UK, an author in the UK. He went back to saying, look, you know, if we look barely 10 years ago, 2007, so just over 10 years ago, when the first smartphones came out and what that has bore in terms of our life and work, companies that are using mobile technologies now that have built huge businesses behind it. Back then, we didn't even see on a list of the biggest companies in the world, the likes of Alibaba, uh, Amazon, Apple, you name it. We saw the traditional companies like the GEs of this world, the Procter & Gamble's of this world. And the most successful companies right now have transformed themselves into a 21st century business rather than anchoring themselves to the legacy systems that they might have had as a 20th century business. So many of the larger and medium size companies that are struggling with transformation right now have these legacies in place and are struggling with what it means to transform in the 21st century to become relevant, to digitize, but also map the human side of the business together with that to really unleash the potential for the future. 
mapping the human side. Yeah, this has been lost a lot in a lot of organizations. And as you know, and I know, when we've gone into organizations, it doesn't seem to be the real human side a lot of the time that we see. Mm. We'll get back to that in a moment. But I wanted to ask you a little bit more about another term which has been big and that's called digital transformation is it that these 20th century companies organizations are not able to move into this digital transformation of the 21st century or has that term changed as well (laughs) great question yes that term has changed and herein lies the problem digital transformation according to ibm and forbes is failing 84 percent of the time in execution terms And the reasons behind that is the terminology digital transformation. Many organizations and leaders are looking at that still and thinking about technology only. The terminology of digital transformation has evolved into whole business transformation because you simply cannot just implement new technologies. You can't just put artificial intelligence into your organization and then bring everybody along with it. What goes along with digital transformation is a culture shift in the organization. It is a way of working which is different that brings the human side together in the digital era too, because I would argue that in the digital era, the human touch is more important than it ever has. So how you transform the organization to be fit and ready for the era that we're now in, the 4.0 era or industry 4.0, is looking at the whole, not just looking at a part. And that is what digital transformation as a terminology piece has in some ways forced organizations to look at a part of it, anchor themselves around this term digital and start looking at that rather than broadening their horizons and thinking, actually, you know what, this is about the whole organization. Hmm. Yeah, they're throwing around this new term now of industry 5.0. So instead of 4.0, it seems to be almost gone, as you say, in the great acceleration into which is they talk about that as the human plus the, the technology. Now, that plays into exactly what you're talking about, the whole business model. Now, I spent a time with the nomads in Mongolia and Kenya and in Morocco. And one of the things that I think that was very in tune to me was the whole sense of interconnection, which I think that we can relate now to what you're talking about is the ecosystem which within your developing, but you cannot live in silos you and anymore. And we talked about that long time in the 20th century, but it's this interconnection of all the pieces in a business. And this, I think, is, is, is instead of talking about connection, is talking about interconnection. And that comes from leadership all the way down. So if that's the case, how can we develop interconnection within the organization? And where does that start? Well, it starts with a mental shift, Kevin. Those organizations that are succeeding uh, more than most are doing so through an enlightened leadership who are modeling the way forward, showing the rest of the organization that they can shift and change, positively impacting the evolution of the culture in these organizations and being fit and ready for the digital era. And what that really means is an understanding that it is not just about one or two people or senior versus the lower levels within the organization. It's about everybody coming together and playing their part. 
And many of the most successful organizations are flattening their hierarchy to unleash much greater collaboration through an empowered workforce where they're driving ownership to almost these self-directed teams, much like the, the old scrums of the technology companies. Mm-hmm. And and letting them come up with ideas, creating entrepreneurs, if you will, the internal innovation to think creatively and more broadly, to think about possibilities and not be constrained by what we used to do in the past. Those companies that are failing are failing mainly because they have a 20th century model that they're trying to adapt and trying to make small tweaks at rather than thinking and being a 21st century company, which actually may mean that they have to rip up the rule book and create a new one. So when we talk about thinking, we talk about mindset. And this being the Nomadic Mindset podcast, (laughs) let, let us talk about what does that mean with regards to a nomadic mindset? For you, when you talk about this, do you organizations need to be led by more nomadic people that have a more of a nomadic mindset today? Or what has to shift from the Mm. 20th to 21st century of where we're very well into? Yeah, well, Dr. Richard Foster from Yale quoted this. He said, the average lifespan of the S&P 500 company has decreased by more than 50 years in the last century. That's from 67 years in the 1920s to just 15 years today. Now, this is in an era where, uh, you know, not too long ago, we were talking about companies who were too big to fail. Oh, no, they're, they're way too big. Kodak, they couldn't possibly fail. But the digital era has accelerated this and said, if a company isn't willing to change, then the new companies that are coming in, the new competition that they didn't even know existed even very recently is going to take the lead. And those that are being most successful are modeling a more nomadic mindset. They are looking ahead. They are willing to take a leap of faith. They have in the organization people who will go with them and then be prepared to build something new. Those that are failing have a more settler mindset, and that is where the problem lay. And and that problem actually is at leadership level. From a survey I did last year around digital transformation across three continents, over 40% of leaders that we surveyed just were not ready to transform their business to be ready for the future. They just simply didn't know what they didn't know. Uh, Now, this also brings into another question. Is this Settler mindset, is that got to do with a variety of factors such as, you know, shareholder value, board of directors that people, that the CEOs are having to be party to and to fulfill and the, you know, the bottom line and also just a different way of looking at their whole organization as a more expansive organization. What do you think are some of the possibilities here that are happening? Well, if we consider some of the more traditional companies, and I'll talk about some of the the more innovative companies in a minute. If we talk about some of the more traditional companies, actually, it may not be big shifts and changes that are needed. It may be just different thinking. And when we talk about diversity inclusion in organizations from a human capital perspective, I would say from a diversity perspective in the 2020s, diversity of thinking is what will separate the best from the rest. Let me take Toys R Us for an example. So Toys R Us were all about in-store experience. They said, you know what? Our model really works. 
people love coming to our stores. They love playing with the toys. They love the fact that they can bring their kids in and the kids will play and everything's available in there. What they didn't bank on are the newer organizations like Alibaba, like uh, Amazon, um, who could undercut them on price, leaving then all of those people that were visiting stores just to play with their kids to come out and then order it on Amazon. They didn't digitalize. They didn't think about how they can provide a great experience online or in the digital realm, just like the one that they, that they did in store. So actually, a small shift in thinking at leadership level in Toys R Us may have helped them. But as we know what happened, you know, it's a famous story now with the, or infamous story with Toys R Us, much like the, the infamous story with Blockbuster or Kodak, as I mentioned before. If we consider, though, that some of the more enlightened, even traditional companies, when they change, they are ripping up the rule book. If I think about DBS Bank, for example, in Singapore, from the very top, the CEO, Piyush Gupta, has totally shifted the mentality of the bank and what banking stands for. Their vision for the digital era is to make banking invisible. What that means is he said, look, people don't wake up in the morning and just want and want to go banking. They want to know that that's there, but they, they want to buy a car or they want to get money out of a cash point to go and buy something else, or they want to swipe their card or tap their card and, and make it an efficient transaction. They don't wake up and want to bank or want to buy a mortgage or whatever it is. So what he did, he looked at their leadership and say, you know what? We don't know this stuff. And you know what? Even more, I don't know this stuff. So we're going to learn it. They modeled it for the rest of the organization. They said, we need to be, in your terms, Kevin, they needed to be more nomadic. We needed to think about what we were, but what we could be based on what customers need moving forward in the digital era. He set up a hackathon for all his leaders and managers where they developed apps. They immersed themselves in technology. They started learning about cloud native platforms, what that could mean for them. And it has unleashed a totally new set of solutions and services for that bank and a totally new attitude within the bank and culture that talks possibilities and solutions rather than problems in the past. And that is driven from the very top. So it, traditional companies can fail, traditional companies can succeed, it needs enlightened leaders. Otherwise, those competitions, the competition that they don't even know or the competition, the new competition that is there could take advantage. Uh, so very well put. Thank you very much, Jeremy, for that. That's interesting that you talked about the different companies that have gone to the dinosaur in many ways. Mm -hmm. And you know, in, the, in my book, uh, The Nomadic Mindset, I talk about that situation with Nokia, for example, that you didn't mention, but it is exactly mm. the same, is that with the mindsets that you can actually look at the evolution of a company through the mindset. So they started off very much in nomadic culture for the first Nokia did from 1990 to 2000 and very much mm -hmm. nomadic doing all sorts of very adventuresome things with smart technology. They already started it, but they were still working on the other, other phones and things like that. But then at 2000, they started to get into more of a builder. So the bottom line, shareholder value, mm -hmm. big bonuses, all sorts of things started to shift and change. And then they started to go into this builder, builder, builder and settling 
while still in the bottom was their R&D still working on the aspect of smartphones, which they didn't call it that. They called it Metromedia. And then in 2006, they had a CFO who was very much about numbers and said, no, we're not going to do smart technology. We're just going to do that. Well, that was the builder moving into Settler, moving into Dinosaur, ultimately, because 2007, as we know, Apple took over in that sense. Mm. So you could look at the trajectory of an organization through these mindsets. Now, if that's the case, then why aren't more organizations looking at the mindset of their organizations, perhaps? Mm. I think it's a couple of things. First of all, this, by the way, I believe really has to start at leadership level if true change and transformation can happen. Mm-hmm. From a survey that we did last year, it it indicates that the rest of the organization largely is ready, actually. They see this every day. They're, they're, you know, they're, their feet are on the ground. They're talking to customers every day. They know the challenges that exist. But there seems to be a gap with some organizations at the leadership level, and that is absolutely key. The very best of those leaders are enlightened enough to admit that they don't know something, seek help, think about their own learning trajectory. Mm -hmm. But there is another flip side to this, which is apathy. There are certain organizations out there where the leaders are saying, you know what, it's not my problem. I'm going to retire in a couple of years or um, I'm, I'm leaving the company. So, you know, really it's not my company. My key right now is to stay where we are right now. We've come out of a global financial crisis, which started in 2008, almost up to kind of the end of 2018. We're shoring up the ship and then it's up to someone else to transform it. The really enlightened leaders are saying that shoring up the ship is not good enough. That is a short-term state. We need to be protecting our future growth as much as anything else. We need to change the game and I need to be the one that needs to be prepared to change as much as the rest of the organization. It's an interesting thought what you just said there, because I was just thinking that it's a comparison to an athlete, for example, that if you think that, for example, that you're going for a big competition, you cannot put things off because you have to get to that race and you've got to be the best that you can be to win if it's a hundred meter dash. You can't just say, well, you know, I'm going to sit back and maybe one day I will, I'm going to retire soon. So the times don't really matter. So you know, it is this ongoing, and what you're saying about these enlightened leaders, this is a wonderful thing that it's knowledge to know and, and more should be following towards that. So I would like to know if you think that this has a lot to do with the generational divide that a lot of people are talking about within organizations. What is your thought on that? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure at all. You know, what's interesting for me is all of these new technologies, smartphones, etc. we seem to use them really comfortably outside of the workplace. We've embraced them. We use them every day. You know, my mother uses them still. When we walk into the corporate doors, we seem to have a mental block about this stuff. Oh, we, we're going to implement a new system or we, we have to change the way that we're doing something with the technology. Oh, it will never work. You know, we tried this 20 years ago and it didn't work then. It won't work now. We're up against this sort of legacy history of sort of negative mentality. And yet, if we look outside of the corporate walls, we're doing it every day. So why on earth can't we just kind of do what we do? And when we're doing what we do, it is not just millennials that are doing it. It's everybody. 
So it is, I mean, to me, Kevin, it is another myth that because you're in, let's say, the older generation, you don't particularly embrace or like technology. And the newer, uh, the newer generations coming into the workplace are just technology-driven and not human-driven. I think it's a nonsense. Mm. I think it's much closer than, than we think. I think the, you know, the press, the media have a lot to answer for here because it's kind of driven a fear factor, particularly if you consider all of the amount that's been written by Gen Y millennials over the last sort of 10 years. It's like it was almost sheer panic. It's like they're a totally different breed. Well, we've got Generation Z just right round the corner. What's that going to be like? We've got an aging population in certain parts of the world. What that's going to be like and how do we get productivity from everybody rather than kind of looking at generations? For me, Talking generationally is almost a diversity issue. We should be just talking our human capital. It doesn't matter if they're 60 or 16. It doesn't matter. They're our human capital, and we can enable them in ways that we may not have been able to do in the past, but we can certainly give them the tools that they need, be it digital or human or team tools, that really will give them a lifespan potentially a lot longer than they, than they had in the past, but also then enable them to perform. Mm. The performance aspect of it is really important here, yes. And you talk about the human capital, and let's move into that. Is is it really about all about skills, or is it about mindset, or is it about both? So, yes, it's a combination, Kevin. It is about mindset first. It is about how that mindset infects positively the culture shift in the organization, and then the consideration of what are the new knowledge, skills, and behaviors that we need to model. How do we drive that through the organization and empower people to an extent that they've never been empowered before so that they can take ownership, they can collaborate effectively, and they can do the job that is needed for this decade, this 2020s decade, where potentially things are just going to accelerate even faster uh, when we consider artificial intelligence, robotics, uh, data-driven decision-making, how we need people to be more data-driven. There's so much that needs to needs to happen from a skills point of view. But as you say, I think that absolutely has to start with having the right attitude. Yeah, and this attitude, the, the mindset, and, and we all know that not everyone's going to have the same mindset to drive the, the skills that are needed for this complete business model transformation to be able to work together as you speak about. And so I think my personal thing is, is that it's then it comes down to the human capital understanding that everyone is needed within the organization and for the leaders to be able to say, okay, look, if we're going to trickle this information down, we've got to show with this flattening, we've got to show all of this uh, ability of entrepreneurs. So that, and, but understanding the individuals which are in teams don't all have the same mindset and also the same skills. Mm. Uh, so how do you feel that we can bring a bigger awareness that around mindset, that people have different mindsets within the organization? Well, I, I, I think we have to look out there for the companies that have done this successfully. And there's a great example in China of the banking insurance company, Ping An, P-I-N-G-A-N. Um, they were a very traditional company um, in China, um, but it would take weeks to open accounts. It would take weeks to process car insurance claims or applications for, for insurance. And leadership there had an epiphany. 
said, you know what, we can do this differently. We can transcend the traditional ways of doing things from a cultural, political point of view and the way that we do business. We can embrace new ways. They then led by example, much like the example I gave before with, with DBS Bank uh, in, in Singapore. They sponsored the changes that, that were needed within the organization. They changed themselves at leadership level. They put in place the learning practices that were needed for the rest of the organization. They enabled them with handheld technology through their smartphones, which meant that they could be far more productive. They could get answers to their customers at the moment, and they could start to process things you know, potentially 10 times quicker than they did before. So if I'm an employee and I'm given tools that really work, I'm given the le learning that really makes a difference for me, I'm going to embrace that and I'm going to be far more loyal to that company as well because I'm getting what I need and I'm getting what I need. And when I do, my customers get what they need. And it's actually almost the self-fulfilling prophecy, which is that if you do this effectively, then you're going to impact customer experiences, employee satisfaction, and the way that you are perceived in the marketplace. Hmm. That's an amazing thing that's happening there with Ping An and also what you talk about with DBS. So these are fine examples of leaders that have this nomadic mindset and certainly have this sort of visionary entrepreneurial flattening, looking at the, the whole, the interconnectedness. Mm. Uh, it, as we move into the very end of this this time together is that I was wondering if you can share with us maybe three things that actually can help organizations get past this myth, the future of work is past the myth of digital transformation and move into new thoughts. And what would do those particularly, what would you do? What are three things? The first thing that I would do is I would, I would encourage leaders or organizations to assess their relationship with data and how data-driven they are in terms of decision-making, strategy definition, action orientation, and the ability to be much more agile in terms of changes happening in the marketplace, such as a new competitor coming in. This is the new way. We are in an age where knowledge is power, data is power in, in this respect. And the traditional ways of analyzing that data are no longer fit for purpose. We can't now put all of the data that we have in an Excel spreadsheet because we've got way too much data. That's why we need artificial intelligence to do it. That's why we need to understand what, what being data-driven means. It means a complete shift in, in our relationship with data, how we gather it, how we analyze it, how we employ technology like artificial intelligence to help us interpret it and move from what what was, let's say, predictive analytics, which is saying, well, we've got a piece of data here, we've analyzed it, this is what we think, so this is where we should go. Two, prescriptive analytics, because with prescriptive analytics, you can have multiple options because artificial intelligence can derive and get into the data far quicker, far broader volumes of data to provide different scenarios, different solutions and options so that you can make more enlightened decisions. So I think that's the first one for me, being more data-driven and understanding what that really means. That should tell you where you are in, in relation to the so-called future of work. And the, the second one is, are you still struggling 
with your legacy 20th century systems? Or have you transcended that? And are you thinking on how you're transforming your business to be fit for the digital era, a 21st century business model? And that really comes from what we're talking about before, the mindset change and the culture shift that, that is lead, uh, needed in, in many organizations. So those two first bits have a strong digital thread to them. The third point, though, is about the human touch. And you cannot have digital transformation, so-called, without actually impacting the whole organization. This is where whole business transformation comes in. So how do you enable the human capital to be far more effective and efficient in how they operate? How do they collaborate in greater ways to be more productive? How do they contribute more internally and provide great customer experiences? And in order to do that, traditional organizations must break down traditional hierarchies so that they can empower the rest of the organization truly, not, not just sound bites, we want you to be more empowered and feel more empowered. What do they do that really drives ownership to the people so that they can lead at any level? And those people really discover, if you like, their inner CEOs. Those three things are key. It is data. It's about having a 21st century model. And it's about having your human capital enabled in a way that makes them effective for the digital era. Wow. Data, 21st century mindset human capital. These are beautiful things that can help us move forward. And this comes down to, in many ways, again, back to mindset and having that fluidity mm -hmm. of that mindset, the nomadic mindset that we've talked about. Well, there's also a builder mindset to see how they can build, but also how it can be glued together with the human capital if it, people who are more settled. Yeah. So this is fantastic. I want to thank you very much for being here. Jeremy, you're great. It is a pleasure, Kevin. Thank you very much for having me. And I wish you the best. And also, let's rock. It is a roaring 20s, so it's a new 21st <laughs> ah, yes, century. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> so we will. Thank you very much, and I appreciate you being here today. You've been listening to The Nomadic Mindset Season 1. My name is Kevin Cottom and I invite you to find out more about The Nomadic Mindset at thenomadicmindset.com. Until next time, make it a point to go nomad and start discovering your nomadic mindset.